Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Ford Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but... But we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickheads, you could say. It's just it's, they're just <laughs> there's good racing and I enjoy it. Mm. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to another edition of Inside Supercars. This week, joining me to discuss the preview to the Phillip Island WD-40, whatever it's called this week, is Gary O'Brien, who, Gary, is sounding a little bit worse for wear, a bit like I have over the last few weeks. Yeah, thanks, Craig. Good evening, everyone. Yeah, just a bit of a uh, chest infection that's still trying to um, hang on as best it can after about three or four weeks, but we'll see. We'll battle through. <laughs> and from Wakefield Park, it's uh, Lachlan Mansell. Good evening, Lockie. Good evening, Craig. Good evening, Gary. I'm Good evening, uh, Lockie. Yeah, reasonably good health for this episode. Hopefully it stays that way. Yes, unfortunately, you were unable to join us the last time because you had the dreaded lurgy as well. Yeah, we were all on uh, sick leave, weren't we, at one stage or another because poor Gary had to miss one of the Shannon's Nationals rounds doing the commentary because of um, a pretty nasty infection as well. Mm. Well, everyone's going to be back on deck for Phillip Island and it's the penultimate round, Gary, and interesting, the maths still certainly in Frosty's favour, but there are every opportunity here for disaster and a uh, remarkable comeback either from David Reynolds or Craig Lowndes. Well, you think the motivation's with both of them, isn't it? You know, uh, Reynolds uh, no longer having a gig with... Uh Performance Racing Australia after the end of the year and, uh, of course, Lowndes chasing down that championship and both of them made inroads into it at Pukekohe, but uh, more, more through ineptness than anything else uh, on the part of uh, uh, Mark Winterbottom. And I, I tend to think that he may actually play a, a little bit of a conservative hand in these last two rounds, or particularly at Phillip Island, and just keep scoring points because that's all he really has to do. Indeed, Lockie. It's... Uh... Interesting to see how this might all play out. I still think from here it would take an absolute disaster for Mark Winterbottom to, to uh, lose the championship. He doesn't need to win races to be able to clinch the title. All he needs to do is keep finishing consistently and scoring plenty of points. But what we've seen is that on the streets of Homebush, uh, anything can and normally does happen. So if a disaster was to fall Mark Winterbottom, uh, that's where you think it would happen. One of the things I'm interested in, though, is the Teams Championship contest, because when you look at the Teams Championship, you've got Pepsi Max Crew Pro Drive Racing Australia. They're only 288 points ahead of Red Bull Racing Australia, and then the Holden Racing Team's only another one point behind the Red Bull Racing Eight guys. So you've got less than 300 points separating the top three teams in the team's championship. When you think about it, there's 600 points per event up for grabs because it's double the number of points that a driver can score at an event. And when you think that the Pepsi Max Crew team are going to have pretty uh, inexperienced drivers, well, certainly in the case of Cameron Waters, an inexperienced driver in the car at Phillip Island, and then uh, Steve Owen in the car at 
home will she aren't necessarily going to be up to the pace of Chaz Mostert, who would normally have been in that car, then I'm thinking that Pepsi Max might be a bit vulnerable in the team's championship heading into these final two events. And Gary, that's a, a very interesting point, isn't it? Because a lot's been made about Craig Lowndes can come back and win the championship, but really it's the team's championship that is the real battle at this stage. Well, <clears throat> what that means is... Uh... Uh, garages one and two, right down the uh, very end of uh, pit lane, and that's very important. Uh, Red Bull have had that one for quite a while, and uh, going on uh, Bobby Cowie form, both uh, uh, Craig Lowndes and Jamie Wincup are at the top of the game at the moment. So that's a very valid point. And uh, if they, if for some reason things did go wrong and HRT jumped them, then they're right back further down the field and having to share a second boom with someone as well. Well, that could be very interesting, couldn't it? Because at this stage, we think HRT is going to be four cars. But if any wreck changes, it used to be, and I think it might still be the case, if your wreck changes in one of those other teams, then you automatically are with the lowest scored car in the championship unless you want to split your four-car fields. Exactly, and... uh... And you think, <laughs> think about it, so Red Bull will definitely be three cars and um, they'll have to share a boom and maybe they might try and uh, wing a deal with uh, Techno, you'd think, because they supply quite a bit of uh, uh, hardware as well as uh, knowledge with that team. And, uh, well, we don't know if HRT, we tend to think it's, <laughs> it's positive. It's still four now, but it could uh, end up being three. And, Lachlan, we think it could end up being three because Super Black might get one of the Walkinshaw licences, which puts FPR, oh, sorry, uh, Pro Drive Racing Australia to running five cars next year. Uh, and it's still four. four cars next year um, because Superwack have to get that racing entitlement contract from somewhere. Keep in mind that uh, Penske, DJR team Penske, is going to be expanding to two cars next year because they've taken back that racing entitlement contract that Super Black had been leasing this year. So there have been reports flying around that Super Black have bought one of the um, Walkinshaw racing entitlement contracts, the one that uh, they were using to run the super cheap car this year, which sort of makes sense when you think about it because it was confirmed this week that Super Cheap will be moving their sponsorship across to ProDrive Racing Australia for next year to sponsor Chas Mossberg's car. And it's hard to see where Walkinshaw would necessarily be able to find the funding to uh, fund that car heading into next year. So um, you would have to say, based on the evidence and the way that the jigsaw puzzle pieces are lining up, that uh, Super Black do need a racing entitlement contract to continue running, and that Walkinshaw one would probably be the logical option for them. I do want to talk more about that whole uh, licence situation after the break here on Inside Supercars. Don't forget, Inside Supercars can now be heard on Stitcher. You can hear it in your car, because many of the cars, including Holden's, have got Stitcher inbuilt into their entertainment systems. You can just search for Inside Motorsport on Stitcher, iTunes, online, or even on tune in we'll take a break here on inside supercars and then back with plenty more right after this join in the conversation post your thoughts on our sport radio facebook page hi i'm fabian coltard and you're listening to inside supercars 
Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to grab, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Lachlan Mansell and Gary O'Brien joining me, Craig Revelle, and we, we're talking about racing entitlement contracts and, of course, the announcement as well that Super Cheap Autos is moving to Chas Mostert in 2016. And, Gary, I know a lot of the mail throughout the middle part of this year had Super Cheap Autos linking up with Frosty Winterbottom. Do you think the fact that Frosty is earmarked to win the championship and Pepsi, having been a long-time supporter, have said, no, we want the champion. We want car number one for Pepsi next year, which has uh, meant Super Cheap Auto has gone on to the young gun. No, I'm sad to say. I mean, that's probably inside information that we probably don't really uh, know a lot about. But oh, I, I'd say possibly that uh, from the very start it was always um, going to be the way that it's actually going to happen. And it was just merely speculation from um, from media and social uh, observers that uh, probably had uh, Frosty lining up there. The interesting thing, Lachlan, though, is the, the media, the marketing in and around Pepsi Max would be better geared towards a younger Chas Mostert than Mark Winterbottom. Uh, I think that's a bit of a generalisation. I mean, super cheap auto, when you look at their customer demographic, they... Um, appeal to young car enthusiasts who need parts of their cars as well. And either way you look at it, both of those cars are going to be very competitive next year. You're going to have Mark Winsbottom, who is very probably going to be the defending champion, and then um, Chaz Moster, while we had to miss the last part of this season because of injury, up until that point, he was looking like he was going to be the one to give Frosty a real run for his money in the championship. So... One of the things is when you look back at the history of super cheap auto racing and their sponsorship of cars, they've never really been with a consistently front-running team. You go right back to when they were with Stephen Ellery Motorsport back in the early part of the last decade and through then to Paul Wheel Racing, where, yes, they had a few race victories uh, with Greg Murphy, most notably over in New Zealand. But since then, it's been pretty slim picking for them. So... I think they've seen that this is an opportunity to get themselves onto a front-running car, a championship-contending car that's always going to be consistently in the top five for an entire season. And, Gary, some of us remember when Bob Thorne owned the company and raced. Yeah. I was going to mention Bob Thorne and the EL Falcon, which it started out on, uh, and the changes of colours. It's interesting that even social media is already jumping on uh, trying to pick which has been the best colour scheme because it has changed a fair bit over the years. Yeah, the purple when Bob Thorne. I think Bob didn't even start in V8 Supercars, did he? He was in Nations Cup and... And uh, and, so, uh, and uh, development series yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Um, but I digress. Nick Perkett is an interesting driver. Certainly last week, Lockie, lots of uh, concern about the injury he sustained at Surface Paradise and, of course, then re-aggravated somewhat in the accident he had at Pukekohe. I don't know if he 
re-aggravated it at Pukekohe or if it was just that that was an injury that he'd been carrying into that weekend because there was that incident. But when he got out of the car, he was limping, but it wasn't because of any injury sustained in that particular incident. It was traced all the way back to surface paradise. And now this week we've heard that he's been in hospital undergoing treatment for an infection and there's a bit of a question mark over whether he'll even be racing to compete this weekend at Phillip Island. So the media release which came out from Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport suggested that they had a contingency plan in place. It'll be uh, very interesting to see what that contingency plan is and who will end up in that car if Perk has unavailable. I'm just speculating here, but I'm thinking maybe Carl Reinler, given that he's an Australian driver who's in the country and already has experience driving in that team in the endurance races alongside Tim Blanchard in the other car. Mm, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, I might throw in a, a, another name as well. What about Russell Ingle? He'll run anything, won't he? He will. I, uh, and, I don't and know he's how got they. Affinity with the team as well, so that's, that's another one. Yeah, I don't know how that uh, that marriage ended. Of course, uh, Lucas Dumbrell was the man that retired his full time career. Oh well, I think it was a mutual consent at that stage. <laughs> but um, no, it, yeah, he's probably a pretty good call. And uh, considering the job that uh, Carl Reinland did at Sandown and at Bathurst, you you couldn't go far wrong, could you? Now, Gary, always a, a big thing to change a chassis, but after you total it at Pukekohe and then come back and finish in second, do you change the chassis or do you keep running it? Well, obviously, Red Bull have decided to change the chassis, but it was still damn quick. It was good, yeah, and I, I dare say the one that will replace it will be just as good, but uh, it, it might suggest that uh, maybe the car wasn't all as good as they tried to make it out to be as well. And... Um, you know, you might have been one of these uh, jobs where you had to do what you can with what you had <laughs> to get it as as quick as what it was. But I, I said last week on the show, Lockie, he still was good enough. To, uh, they they rebuilt that car better than 21 other cars that had all weekend to tune it. Yeah, again, it's an interesting one, isn't it? But it could be that once they got it back to their workshop in Australia and they were able to go through it a bit more thoroughly with the equipment that they had, at their disposal back in their workshop that they uncovered some imperfections that maybe they couldn't address at the track and they've decided that it would be more effective to go to a different chassis rather than trying to patch up that one. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see how they come out of the box once again because it is this series, Gary, is very much how you come out of the box is really how your weekend does, <laughs> does seem to be determined. And, of course, Nissan... Uh, came out of the box quite well and were solid all weekend at Pukekohe. They seem to be like that every time they come out of the box well. Yeah, that's interesting you should say. That's exactly right. If you're not qualif- if you're not up the front of the field in practice and qualifying, you're never going to get there. Just a series of, just the way the, the race meeting, meetings work. And the, 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 the thing that most noteworthy about <coughs> um, Pukekohe was that they had new tyres for every session in the lead-up which is something they haven't had in this series over in Australia with the mix of hard and soft tyres, one set of soft tyres at the end of the day, which some used and some didn't. So you never really got a great perspective on where everyone was in the field until you went to qualifying on Saturday. And that's one of the critical things about going to New Zealand, Lockie, is that the uh, customs laws are so strict that you only can take green tyres over there. You can't take 
anything that has got the chance of having picked up dirt or debris or any sort of um, uh, pathogens in it. And, and the, the teams, uh, a couple of years ago, when they were going straight from Tasmania to um, New Zealand, they were spending three or four hours just um, pressure washing and cleaning out the car completely of anything so they could get through New Zealand customs. And on the way back from Australia, I think it's pretty strict as well, but perversely, it's actually sort of a good thing for the fans, isn't it? Because it means that you have to run new sets of tyres in practice. So at least after practice, you're getting some indication of who sits where in the pecking order, whereas at most of the other events, you've got no idea because you don't know what the condition of each team's tyre bank is like. Mm. Well, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars, but there is plenty more to talk about when we return. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au Each week join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean it, it means a lot. You know, through the years a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. Six hundred miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level two the boys and uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Gary O'Brien and Lachlan Mansell. Uh, Gary, interesting. We've got some changes again at V8 Supercars with Damian White uh, stepping away from his position as, uh, what is it, Director of Operations or Director of Motor Racing? I can't remember the title now. It's that long ago since he was in the job. Director of Operations, and... A really a hands-on job where uh, he's been involved in ever since he uh, gave up uh, winning ute races, basically, and had a little go at the development series and a couple of shots at the 1,000, which really didn't go all that uh, flash hot, particularly the last one where he had that unfortunate crash in the development series across the top of the mountain. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's been with V8 Supercars in that role or similar roles for quite a while. It came as a bit of a surprise to me, I, it sort of came out of left field a bit. Uh, I don't know if there was any tension going on there. I've, I've seen him at the airport in Townsville, leaving there, and uh, they're all all with the uh, the rest of the uh, V8 guys, and they all seem very harmonious. So I don't think there's any issues there. Mm. Now I'm not sure where Nick Johnson's based, the new media manager, but certainly Cole Hitchcock was based in Queensland. Will we see a bit more of this movement to Sydney, Lachlan? Hard to say, really, isn't it? And I suppose it depends on <clears throat> what sort of um, personnel are, are available for that position. If indeed they do want a sort of replacement straight away, um, and you know where those people might be based, and if they're prepared to move. But it, it did come as a surprise to me about Damien White as well. I have to say, and I think probably the most surprising thing was that his uh, resignation was effective immediately. He didn't give any notice. It was just, I'm out, see you later. So, you know, that raises a couple of questions about um, if everything was harmonious within V8 supercars, then did uh, Damien White suddenly get presented with some other uh, opportunity that was too good to refuse? So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up in the future as well. Mm, And, of course, the critical question now, Gary, is who's pressing the uh, button to turn the red lights out? 
Yeah, good question. Um, I don't know. I uh, I must admit I never followed it through after I heard that news. Um, uh, there's been a couple of guys there but prior to him, and one of them was uh, one of the truck drivers that was doing it. And I just um, I kept his name just slipped past me, and I I have met him and had a chat with him. We did a story on on their uh, when they were having Kenworth trucks pulling their uh, their media uh, and uh, the administration. Uh, uh, be doubles around and um, yeah, he was in like once he set up in the parking area for the trucks, he'd go and then uh, take up duties in pit lane. So you know they utilise their staff for various uh, different uh, jobs during the course of the weekend. Mm. Lachlan, uh, as I mentioned, Cole Hitchcock gone, uh, uh, Damien White gone. We've seen a, a fair bit of transition over the last three or four years. Is this is this the um, is this the last of the the old guard? Do you think that's uh, going to be moving on? Um, again, it's difficult to say. Um, although you would have to say that things in terms of staff turnover have seemed to have settled down a bit since James Warburton's taken over. By and large, it has been a, probably a more stable organisation under James Warburton than what it was under uh, Cameron Levick, for example. He was only uh, there five minutes. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, but it, it will be interesting to see if there's any more staff turnover, but you would hope that the people with the experience and the knowledge to stick around for the sake of the series. Well... We'll take another break here on Inside Supercars, but a couple of driver changes we need to talk about up next. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian Times since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. With the knowledge that uh, Gary O'Brien is still with us, as long with <laughs> Lachlan Mansell and Gary Dale Wood making the move to Nissan, which is actually a return because he started his V8 supercar career at Kelly Racing. And interestingly enough, when he got to Brad Jones Racing, he said, what an amazing difference it is with a car that is uh, properly prepared. An interesting, uh, an interesting fact is he's going back to the team that he was talking about not preparing the car properly. <laughs> well, he was at DJR for a little while in between that as well, wasn't he? Um, yeah, it's interesting that GB Galvanising, that's his uh, major backer, that goes across to Nissan uh, as well. Um, it's, um, I really can't see him any, being any further up the field with the car that he'll probably get when he gets to Nissan. Um, you know, they all say that uh, more, some cars get more love than others within a team, and it, it appears that um, at uh, BJR that was probably the less competitive car there was in, apart from, say, events like Bathurst. He had a, a third place in a race at Wheaton just a, a couple of seasons ago, 
And as I said, good results at Bathurst in practice and qualifying, not in a race necessarily. And um, but apart from that, it's always been around about uh, 21, 22 plus on the grid for most races. Mm. Uh, what about you, Lachlan? Your thoughts on that move? Uh, I agree with Gary. I, I don't really see him necessarily performing any better at the Nissan team. I think that while he's had the flashes of good results, he's also been rather prone to uh, sealing mistakes, especially last year at Bathurst when he crashed into the back of his teammate under safety car conditions. If there's one thing that you don't do to uh, endear yourself to the team boss, then that would have to be absolutely top of the list, breaking pretty pretty much all of the rules of motorsport. You know, don't crash into your teammate, don't crash behind the safety car. To to, uh, break both of those rules at once was pretty catastrophic, you would have to say. But the uh, the other question of races, of course, is who now moves into that third car at Brad Jones Racing? Um, Because there are a few potential candidates for that one. Um, Now, the talk has been that Chris Pitha might be moving to Super Whack Racing to replace Andre Heimgartner. So you would have to say that Heimgartner could be a, uh, a shout to move into the spare BJR seat. Um, the other one that comes to mind is Macaulay Jones, but I'm not sure about you guys, but I'm not quite sure that he's really shown in his development series running that he's quite ready for a full-time main game drive just yet. I wouldn't be surprised, Gary, if he was in the car, but Brad has has said to me on, on a number of occasions... Just because there's a car there, he doesn't want to push him too soon, doesn't want to rush him. But opportunities present themselves, and I guess if there's a sponsor that wants to back McCauley, why not put him in? Yeah, I, I agree with um, Lockie and, and what you're saying there as well, that he probably needs another year in development series before you bring him on into the main game. Um, his pace in the uh, two-driver at Pertec Endurance Cup Events hasn't been anything outstanding as well. It's not like he's been um, really, <coughs> pardon me, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, really uh, threatening um, any of the top front runners amongst the co-drivers. So, Pitha has, is, was talked about previously as a potential member of the um, BGR team, but... That deal fell through. Of course, the deal fell through with Lucas Dumbrell racing for this year. So do we think that Pither is a chance at anywhere other than Super Black, Gary? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think he's a, a potential. I, he's, he's got great backing with Ice Coffee. and um, Ice <laughs> Break, you mean? Ice Break, I should say. Oh, it's coffee, coffee-flavoured uh, milk, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I can't drink uh, anything with lactose in it, so I can't really tell you. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I think he's, a, he's still a potential for there. But again, um, you know, you're looking at the third car in a team, and I don't know if you want to go there. I think I prefer something a bit stronger, and I think Heimgartner on occasions has shown that that fourth car at uh, Performance Racing Australia is 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 got pace, whereas uh, some of the uh, the the lesser cars in other teams haven't. But realistically, who else is there to fill that third BJR seat? Because you look at the Dunlop series, well, you know, Cameron Waters already probably got a drive next year at Pro Drive. Paul Dumbrell not looking for a main game drive, already been there and done that. Same with Andrew Jones. Jack LeBrock 
Yeah, maybe, but he's got the tie-up with Erebus. Um, Todd Hazelwood um, probably doesn't have the financial backing behind him to move into the main game. So the only other place you're in look is Carrera Cup. And <clears throat> Nick Foster won the championship pretty comprehensively in Carrera Cup, but I think he's got plans other than V8 supercars for next year. So apart from Macaulay Jones and Andre Heimgartner, realistically, who else is in the pool of potential drivers for that third BJR team? I'll give Alex you a Davidson. Alex Davison, I'd uh, be the only other one I could think of. Simon Evans is a name I'll throw in there. Well, unless you know something we don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, trying it in. Well, oh, yeah, well, uh, Simon Evans is, <laughs> is experienced. He's raced in the New Zealand V8 uh, Super Tour Series. Uh, he's raced in Development Series. He's actually up for... Um, the uh, Mike Cable Award this year as well. So, um, yeah, one to keep an eye out on for. There's no doubt about that. And uh, obviously racing runs in the family. His younger brother, Mitch Evans, has been doing some pretty good stuff. The, the father is, uh, has been involved in motor racing for a long time. So, yeah, uh, you can't uh, um, put him out of the equation. And uh, Kiwis are, are coming on strong with him, but in Australian V8 supercar racing in recent times. And... Uh, that's all we need is a fifth one to show us how to do it. Mm, and I'd suggest to you, Vera Supercars would love to have the link there to, uh, you know, F2 and and potentially a driver that could make F1. Mm. Yeah, well, that's Mitch, not so much Simon. but uh, No, no, you, but you know what I mean. But have that yeah. family link in there, get them even closer to, uh, to the sport. It's like the links they like to have with uh, IndyCars and, and, uh, and the like. It's... You know, uh, yeah, and and the other thing too is that <clears throat> you know, been a bit of a, a chat about a second New Zealand event. If you've got another New Zealander in the series, it uh, strengthens that uh, prospect as well. Mm. All right. You don't think we've already got enough? <laughs> <laughs> well, we we do have to talk about your tips ahead of our well, our final thought and. Remembering that it was McLaughlin, Wing Cup and McLaughlin that won the three races in 2014. Craig Lowndes has had nine wins at the circuit. David Reynolds, unfortunately, zero. And Mark Winterbottom, two. Gary O'Brien, who's going to win on the weekend? Um, I'm go- <coughs> oh, pardon me. I'll get this cop out of the way. I'm going for Scott McLaughlin. I know he won the last race last year because Garth Tander ran out of petrol coming out of the last corner. But, um, yeah, I think um, McLaughlin needs a good result before the year's out, and this is potentially a place to get it. Lachlan Mansell, who's going to win? Uh, I'm going to tip Jamie Winkup for this one. I think that he was back to his best at New Zealand, and he's another driver very motivated to finish the year on a high note to carry plenty of momentum into 2016. All right. uh, Final thought up next here on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck. For Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas, there actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. 
Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Gary O'Brien, Lachlan Mansell and myself, Craig Gravel. A final thought, Lachlan Mansell. Uh, complete opposite end of the spectrum to V8 Supercars. At Wakefield Park a couple of weeks ago, we had the inaugural Australian 24 Hours of Lemons event, which is an endurance event for cars worth $1,000 or less. And really good to see a wacky races style event where you had all the different teams getting dressed up in costumes and painting their cars up in wacky liveries and really engaging with the fun aspect of the event, which is in stark contrast to the seriousness that you get at the V8 supercar paddock. And uh, it introduced a lot of new people to motorsport too. There are lots of people who'd never competed in motor racing before. There were people who had uh, quite a high profile in uh, other walks of life. Um, in the end, though, probably not too much of a surprise that the team that won the event did have uh, five racing drivers in it. But uh, overall, a really good event, and um, they're going to have five of them around Australia next year, and based on the success of the first one, I can see this concept really taking off. Mm, well, Gary O'Brien, a final thought. Uh, Mark Wiggabottom's performance at Phillip Island, got to be watched. Um, I we, we, we did touch on it earlier, but um, I think he will do what he needs to do to get out of that event with very little, or if not anything, to do when he gets to Homebush. I think he's still going to have something to do, but it'll be very interesting that if David Reynolds was to be in a serious con- contention for the title, could Pro Drive Racing Australia put their driver aside for a race and... Uh, put someone else in the car just to lock things up for the driver oh, that'll be there next I, year. I can't I can't see that happening. Um, I think <coughs> regardless of the results at uh, Phillip Island, uh, Reynolds is contracted to drive for that, that team. I can't see him uh, being uh, pushed, out of the, pushed aside. It'd be a fairly dirty move. Well, you've just shot down my conspiracy theory that <laughs> was going to go internet-wide at the end of the show. <laughs> Lachlan Mansell, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Always a pleasure to be on the show. Spoil sport, Gary O'Brien. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> Thanks very much, Craig. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.